Let's do that hockey. Welcome back to Dauber Prospects Radio. We're doing episode 86. And today I'm joined by Dauber Prospects uh, senior editor and member of Future Considerations, Joel Henderson. Uh, Joel is going to give us a whole bunch of insight on the WHL. This today's focus episode will be uh, draft eligible prospects from the dub and some players who signed recently and we'll see if we can find anyone who's going to graduate from the dub and go right into the pro and be fantasy relevant. Joel's been on the show before so welcome back Joel. How are you doing man? Doing good. I'm doing good. I got all the time in the world these days. I'm uh, I'm loving the quarantine life, staying home, hanging out with the fam, doing podcasts every day. Um, I could get used to this pretty quick. How about you? It's uh, it's been a whirlwind. I think it's just everyone's kind of getting used to different realities in life, and I'm no different than that. It's it's a little all over the place, but I've had a little bit more time to watch hockey, which is nice too. If only there was some some fresh new hockey to watch, and uh, <laughs> I'm getting pretty pretty antsy waiting for some some news from the NHL, specifically on uh, the draft lottery. Um, I think yeah, that'll give us a lot to talk about. If we know what the draft lottery results are, we can all start doing mock drafts and speculating and playing that way. But until that happens, we'll uh, we'll keep trucking along. All right, so let's talk some hockey. What do you say? Sounds good. All right. So from the WHL this year, uh, some some news and some players that have signed recently. Uh, the first guy that I want to talk to you about is Adam Beckman. He's right at the top of the league in scoring. Uh, and I'm not too familiar with him. He's a 2019 third round pick by Minnesota. Uh, he plays for Spokane. Uh, he's 6'1", 179, 18 years old. So he's got three years in the league. He's got should have one more season to go, and unless uh, he's able to crack the Wilds' thin roster, what's your assessment on Mr. Adam Beckman? Well, I think the last time that I talked to you, uh, one of our last questions that you said was, who's somebody that could lead the league in scoring this next year? And I, I think I said, like, all the big names could do it, but the one tandem that I would watch out for was Spokane and Ellie Zumak and Adam Beckman, and both of them had um, fantastic years this year, and Beckman leading the league. Uh, he is he's such an adaptable forward, where I was really high on him last year because he was not the go-to guy. Spokane had a really good year. Uh, they had a really good season, and he was a guy who just kind of was showing wonderful signs of being able to be quick with the puck, uh, quick decisions, quick off his stick, adapt to shots. Um, but he was not the guy where you you immediately wanted it on his stick. And then as soon as Spokane lost a couple of players last year, I wondered if his role would change because you just saw all the promise of somebody who was able to really just step into the game and dominate. And that's exactly what he did. He loves to shoot the puck. He loves to change the angle on his shots. He loves to shoot on the power play. He loves to skate with the puck and continue to um, be evasive when it's on there. He was, he was the most dominant player in the WHL this year. And I don't know if it was particularly close. He was dangerous at all times on the ice. And Minnesota got an absolute steal with this player. I think in most of my fantasy hockey leagues, I was the person who was talking about him all year. And then when no one drafted him, I would pick him up off waivers in pretty much every league. And 
I, I think he does have a shot of, of making Minnesota next year. I think with anything else, he's just going to continue to be become bigger and stronger and faster. But the thing that you like about a player like that is that he just can't adapt to other situations. And so if he's not on a top power play, if he's not in top situations, he's still going to be a very, very valuable player for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, so he just signed recently with um, with the Wild. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not like college, where once a player signs a pro contract, they got to go. Um, so he's, he's welcome to go back to the WHL and play another season with Spokane, or if he gets traded anywhere there, not eligible for the AHL. So his options are are one or the other, uh, back in the dub or graduate to the NHL. Uh, how do you like his chances for, for turning pro and playing in the NHL next season? I think he's got a good chance. I mean, you know, it's really tough to do. It's really tough to do as a third rounder, especially when you can easily just go back and play top minutes again. But I'm not really sure what direction Minnesota's going to go. And I don't know that Minnesota has a ton of kids that are really, really pushing. Um, you know, they've got Kirill Kaprizov, and they've got some of their younger kids who, are, you know, have been. And he might get pushed out uh, considering that. Like, there's no harm in sending him back to the dub to continue to grow and continue to do what he's doing but he's a player who could um there's a lot of there's a there's a big upside on him his his just he's just so smart um that he's just going to find a role and excel at it whatever it is uh, but don't be surprised where if this is a guy who comes in and plays some really strong you know third line minutes and then you're like i wonder if he's going to be good on the power play and then he's good in the power play and then good at 505 and he just can really excel in a lot of situations Right. So roster spots that are that are opening up for them. They've got Alex Galchenyuk, who's an unrestricted free agent. Everyone else on the roster is either signed or under contract. And then the players that he'll be in competition to make the roster with would be guys like uh, Kaprizov is a big one. Alexander Hovanov, he should be turning pro. Uh, they just signed Mitchell Chaffee from, from NCAA. So he's a player that's – he's got – you know, four years of experience on top of Adam Beckman, um, Ivan Lodnia, Dmitry Sokolov. These are some more players that should be uh, turning pro uh, that it should give him some competition. Um, and then they got some veterans in the minors as well. So it'll be tough for him to crack the roster. But if you think he's got a chance, then he's on my fantasy radar. He's only 5% fan tracks owned. Uh, so there's a lot of room for for ownership opportunity with this player. And even if he doesn't turn pro this year and goes back to junior, it sounds like his, uh, his trajectory towards the NHL is a pretty short curve. Yeah. It's not going to be very, very long. It's, it's just from the simple fact that he does so many things well, and he does not have any glaring weaknesses that it's hard to project him as like, he needs, you know, he needs to go back to work on this. It's, you know, it's not his skating. It's not his, you know, it's not his shot. It's not his this. Like, it's just going to be about if there's a position for him or not. I mean, he might be one of those guys who pe- who fans fall in love with even in training camp and go, this guy's got to make the team, and then he doesn't. You know, he gets sent back because of contracts or whatever. But um, I think that's totally possible. He's just, he's just a really good player. I think he's somebody who's really undervalued right now. Yeah, we just did a Dauber Prospects organizational ranking exercise and flipping back through looking at my notes on Minnesota, I put him at the uh, sixth ranked prospect behind Kaprizov, Hovanov, Boley, uh, Kakinen, and Addison. Um, so he's got some competition there, but uh, he's in pretty good company. Those are some pretty relevant names and 
I'd say those are more household names than than Adam Beckman is outside of Spokane. So <laughs> it sounds like he's uh, he could be a good hidden gem. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to another guy, uh, another player that I'm really kind of interested in. Had a really strong season in the dub with the Calgary Hitmen. Recently signed Ottawa Senators prospect uh, Mark Kastelik. Uh Two seasons he's been their captain uh, in Calgary. And this season he had 38 goals and 30 assists, 68 points in 58 games. Plus he added 83 penalty minutes and he was a plus 30. Uh, he's a little older. I think he's 20 years old. Was this his overage season, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so that might kind of diminish the achievement of his his statistical outlook a little bit, but uh, not enough to discourage the Senators from from signing him to a contract. What's your uh, scouting analysis on Mark Kostelik? He, uh, he was an interesting player last year. I mean, when, when I was kind of doing rankings and stuff last year, I thought he's a guy that maybe someone could take a swing on because he's a powerful skater, but not necessarily the fastest player on the ice. But the biggest thing was last season he had, like, you know, 2018-19, he had 47 goals and 24 of them on the power play. He was an absolute monster. He has a really big slap shot, um, and that's his big weapon. I mean, if he's on the ice, you really have to watch out for his one-timer. It's heavy and it's hard. And this year um, he had 38 goals in some less games, but only 10 on the power play. He became a bit more of a um, distributor. They had a little bit more uh, well-rounded offense. Um, they could score. Calgary can kind of score from all sorts of different places. So let them kind of branch out that. But I think, you know, Ottawa took a swing on him because he's got a huge slapper. Uh, he's a big dude. He doesn't, he doesn't mind tussling it up with people. And uh, I think he's a guy who's going to have to work his way up from the AHL. But, um, but his, you know, his, his, his uh, shot is the real deal for sure. All right. Um his uh, point-per-games trajectory uh, leveled off this season as an overager, actually, which is a little bit um, odd. You know, he went from 0.17 in his rookie seven season to 0.52 point per game. And then last season, he had... Uh, or sorry, the, the, the following season, he was 0.63. And then last year, 18-19, where he was drafted, he uh, basically doubled it to 1.17. Uh, and then he, he exactly matched that this season. Are you concerned at all about a uh, lack of him taking in more progression in his points per game? Oh, for sure. I mean, once again, like he's not, he's not going to be the guy who, uh, who busts down the wing. He's not going to be the guy that's, that's getting all those off the rush points. Um, I think he's a, a guy, if he makes the NHL, he's going to fill up a lineup. And then depending on how well his shot can go, that'll be kind of where his, his uh, upside comes from. Um, he, yeah, he struggles sometimes at five on five, but it's only because he has to work within his system. I mean, Calgary has a lot of interesting players who, you know, in some people might recognize on deep rosters, they've got Carson Folkt and Riley Stotts and, and, uh, you know, Jet Wu and, and Zamula was there for, for quite a while. So they've got, they've got some guys, they had some, um, some guys that can kind of compliment, but, um, there's definitely work to do. There's work to do on his skating. Yeah, all right. So he's six three, two twenty. More of a more of a bangers and mash kind of a player, eh? Keeping Carlson term and uh, absolutely. Yeah, so he can get you some some hits and some penalty minutes and maybe even some blocks. Uh, he's a center, so if he makes it as a center in the NHL, he'll get you some some faceoff wins if you're in that kind of a rotisserie league as well. Do you see him shifting to the wing at the at the NHL level if he makes it? 
I think so. I, I just don't think he has quite the speed to be able to to kind of to last at that. But I mean, I, I, there's been some other players that are similar to him who have um, stayed at center in the AHL. I think they're just going to start to experiment with him and see where the best is. I think he might. He'll probably end up on the wing if if, if I was guessing. Would you say Zach McEwen from the Vancouver Canucks is a prospect that has a very similar um, trajectory and, and upside in comparison? It could be. Uh, the, the the biggest thing with Ka- with Kaslik though is that his his shot is really hard and heavy, and there really isn't a lot of people who have that type of weapon from a forward, uh, especially out of the dub. He's kind of a he's just a unique prospect in that regard. And I think Ottawa just took a swing, being like he's got a, an amazing shot. Let's see what we can do with him. Yeah, right on. So the next guy I want to talk about is uh, Chicago Blackhawks' uh, fourth round pick from 2019, Michael Tepley. He played his first season in North America. He was drafted uh, at the import draft, I believe. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just trying to find that stat, but it's not jumping out at me, so who cares? Uh, But he played his first season with the Winnipeg Ice, recently relocated from Kootenai. And this is a rubbish team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But he put up over (laughs) a point per game, 63 points in, in 53 games. And he's a guy that was... Uh, on my fantasy draft radar, but someone beat me to the punch. Uh, unfortunately, I was kind of hoping to get some some good value out of a guy that you know didn't get drafted until the fourth round in the NHL draft, um, and I saw very very little of him uh, on tape this season. I never got to see him play live, obviously. A uh, little bit at the World Juniors, uh, but he only had you know five assists. He didn't score at the World Juniors uh, with. With check, um, so let me. What do you think about this guy? What's what's his uh, what's his upside look like? Uh, Winnipeg was an interesting team because, as you said, like when they were in Kootenay last year, they were just so unbelievably bad, and and but they had a lot of developing talent, and you know they were kind of carried by Peyton Krebs, and Krebs came into this year with an injury as well, and so they had to wait even longer for him. But so they basically have two kinds of players in their forwards. They have. Uh, you know, kind of undersized playmakers. They've got Connor McLennan for this draft and Peyton Krebs, and then they just have big wingers, big wingers with um, that are like either have heavy shots or kind of smart, but they're they're a slow moving team up the ice. And Tepley is exactly that as well. Tepley is smart. He can really find the open ice. He can find those those spots to um, get off a good shot, especially when he's playing on the line with Peyton Krebs. Um, it allows him to, to really have a bit more space in the WHL than he would maybe some other places. And uh, he's got a good shot. The, the, the big thing with, with Tepley is that he's got a big frame, a big release, a big shot, but he is slower too. And so he's a guy that doesn't necessarily get around the ice um, super, super fast. I think that's probably why uh, he didn't have any gaudy point totals from you know any of the international tournaments either. But, um, but he's just he's a big project. He's a guy that has a big frame, big shot, and uh, and he'll just he's going to need a lot of seasoning. Yeah, that's interesting. So he was drafted. Um, where is he? He's drafted out of Europe, and then mm-hmm. came to the CHL after he was already drafted. Um, and if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, that would uh, be a bit of a, a loophole where he'd be able to go to the AHL next year and play for Manitoba, I believe, if Winnipeg wanted him to go that way. Um, is that Am I correct with, with that interpretation? And and if so, where, where do you see him playing next year? Back in the dub or maybe possibly graduating to the AHL? 
I, I think so. I just think this is such a weird year with we don't really know what's happening with all the leagues. I think it's quite easy for a guy to say, well, if back home's leagues are opening up, I'll just go play there. I think Tepley's a guy that could play just about anywhere at this point. Uh, I think it would it would do him really well to to um, to get some more time not in the AHL. I think another year in a, another league would be great for him. If he comes back to Winnipeg, that would be fantastic for him as well. He could just continue to develop. Uh, he was a really big weapon for them on the power play too. Like his five on five numbers weren't great, but his power play numbers were really good. Um, you know, 12 power play goals, 14 power play assists out of his 63 points. So, um, and he, yeah, he just, he struggled a bit at the five on five. And I think it was just due to speed and it was, um, you know, just lagging behind the plays at times. Uh, he's not necessarily the, the, you know, he's not the guy that you, you look at as a complete two way forward either. So um, there's just, there is a lot to like with him, but uh, he's just still a, a couple years away. Right on. Uh, one of the things Craig Button said on the podcast a few episodes ago was he likes to see a player dominate the level that he's at before he moves on. And while he had 63 points in 53 games, um, that looks pretty dominant to me. But you having watched him, it doesn't sound like you're convinced that he's dominated this level of hockey yet. No, not particularly. And I think once again, like you, you kind of have to factor in the line mates and you have to factor in how he's getting his production. And a lot of his production was, was a, a big thank you towards uh, some of his line mates. Um, like they have a very, very good uh, moving defense between uh, draft eligible Ben uh, Zalotti and 16 year old Carson Lambos there. And even Dawson Barto when they got him a defenseman, plus you've got Peyton Krebs, plus you've got Connor McLennan. I mean, he's, He's got a lot of playmaking forwards that allows him to do what he does well. But without those playmaking forwards, I think the numbers wouldn't even wouldn't even be as nice as they are. So he does have weapons. He does have those things. But yeah, no, he's, he still needs to, to dominate. What's Winnipeg looking like uh, for next season? I know it's difficult to project junior a little bit, but um, they should have a bunch of those players returning. Um, uh, looks like they'll have a full season with Matthew Savoie. Or Savoy. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you see Winnipeg being a competitive team next year and uh, one that should be in the playoffs and, and a contender in their division? I, I think so. They um, they traded uh, for Dawson Barto, um, a, you know, a really competent defender. It wasn't. It was something that kind of surprised people a little bit. Uh, at least it surprised me. Um, but they had uh, Isaac Johnson, who's going to go away. But they do have a young core. Um, like you mentioned, Savoy, uh, there's also the Krebs if he ends up coming back. There's, um, they have a big, big winger in Owen Peterson. They have Connor McLennan, who's draft eligible year. They have uh, Carson Lambos, who next year is, uh, you know, is said to be a top five, top ten in next year's draft. So they, they do have a lot of really good pieces and a lot of supplemental guys, and they have size. And so in the WHL, you've got skilled players, and then you've got players who can play with size, and that does make them a dangerous team. They took a bigger leap this year, I think, than most people thought they would, and uh, that's good to see. But, yeah, they, got, they have nothing but talent coming. Right on. Well, it sounds like him going back for a, a second season in the WHL with Winnipeg is, is a really good – idea good for his development and he's only one percent fantasy owned on fan tracks so it looks like there's an opportunity there if you want to just play the the long game with this player if he can address the issues with his skating there sounds like there's a lot of upside there um yeah, if he can figure out the skating he'll be a really powerful skater nice well that is some, certainly something that can be corrected 
okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about another guy, and I, I'm really excited to talk about this guy. Defenseman Wyatt Wiley, Wiley Coyote, uh, 20 years old, <laughs> signed by the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, he's a fifth-round pick in 2018. Um, the Flyers have, have done a pretty good job of identifying hidden gem talent on defense, and I think that... From what I know of Wyatt Wiley, he could be the next one in that line. So, 20 year old, six foot, 190, uh, put up uh, over a point a game production in his overage season in the WHL. Uh, yeah, so tell me about Wyatt Wiley. Uh, he, he's such a fluid skater. He really can get around the ice really well for a guy with. His size, he's one of those guys that just even looks bigger than I think he is. Uh, especially on Everett, he he was able to kind of play in all situations. And this year, especially, I guess, in last year, too, he, he is a volume shooter. He likes to get shots towards the net. Uh, he likes to uh, just to make sure that he's a part of that whole process. But you'll find him everywhere. He'll carry the puck down low. He'll carry the puck um, not really necessarily anywhere on the play. He's a guy that's very, very versatile. He's uh, fantastic defensively. His his gap control is really good. Um, the the his offense is it's better on a team like Everett from bulk than it is on his absolute weapons. Like he, um, a, I don't think he's a dude who's who is going to necessarily translate super well at the next level. Like I don't think he's going to be a guy that's running a power play, but he could because of his transition game and because of um, just how smart he is. But he doesn't have that, you know, that power play shot that a lot of teams are working for, too. Um, but, and I think because of those reasons, there was... Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm only speculating, but you're right. Philadelphia does have a system that has a ton, a plethora of really good, big, young uh, defensemen. And Wyatt Wiley has, you know, he put up 64 points in 62 games this year. But even with that, I think Philadelphia took a long time to try to make a decision on him because of the how good their system is and, and how they're managing their contracts. Um, but he is good, and he's got a lot of potential. And I think it just comes from how good of a skater he is, how smart he is, and how he kind of understands the game. Philadelphia's got a pretty deep <laughs> uh, prospect pool. And uh, I referenced the Dauber Prospects organizational rankings, and he's he's made my top ten. Uh, and he's another player that's got a really low um, ownership on fan tracks, 1%. So I think while I might consider him to be on the longer shot side of prospects, uh, that he could make it, what do you think his fantasy upside is, even if he if he does crack the NHL in, say, two or three years? Well, I mean, one of the good aspects of him, like I talked about his his play on the power play, I mean, he had 64 points this year. Uh, that included seven goals and 28 assists on the power play. So he can be effective and can be good on there as necessarily a volume shooter uh, and a guy who really understands how to work within the, the system and how to do it. Everett has a really fantastic system uh, all over the ice, and that, that includes their power play. And I think he's just he's smart. And so if you, if you need a guy to run the power play, who's wonderful at moving the puck side to side, laterally being a safe bet to be able to, to get back into play, to be able to really survey the situation. Those are the things that are, are his strengths. Right on. Well, that sounds not so bad. Let's talk about another defenseman uh, in a similar situation. He's another 20-year-old, and he's also recently signed. Uh, he's signed by the Toronto Maple Leafs, who drafted him in 2018. I'm talking about Philip Krall, a uh, 20-year-old, 6'1", 172 defenseman, 
played this season with Spokane, 49 points in 53 games. He played in the World Juniors last year with the Czechs. Um, what should Leaf fans expect from this guy? He is very fun to watch. Uh, he um, He's another player who just looks bigger than he is. I think he's like 6'1". I don't know if you said, but... He, he just looks bigger than he is. He's got a big frame. He's got a, a really long stick, and he loves to use his reach to his advantage. And that has a huge, huge benefit when he's moving the puck in transition up the ice. He can move the puck side to side and really make dangling around um, four checkers seem really easy. And not only that, he's really creative when he likes to get into the zone. He, he likes to have the puck on his stick when he can move down low, and he isn't afraid to use that same reach to his advantage. So he's a guy that, that can just – he looks fantastic because he can control the place well. And for people, um, you know, he, I think he's just over a couple of uh, shots. Um, but on a Spokane team, I mean, you've, you've got some ceiling there too because you've got uh, – who absolutely running that power play for Spokane. And so Crawl just kind of took a little bit of a backseat to him on that as far as options. But there's a Crawl was a fantastic pick by Toronto. And I think he is one that they can watch carefully because, because of his size, because of his smarts, because of his reach and his, his able, uh, his ability to transition the puck. uh, He, he is absolutely one to to keep a watch on. Right on. And it's, Rare for Toronto Maple Leafs prospects to be unowned in fantasy, but he is 0% owned. Uh, he should be turning pro this year, and I imagine he'll uh, audition to play with the Toronto Marlies in the AHL. And uh, hopefully he gets a decent amount of ice time there and his fan tracks ownership takes off. One more defenseman to talk about before we uh, shift gears a little bit, and that is John Ludwig, defenseman with Portland. He's a Florida Panthers Draft pick from 2019, third round pick. They recently signed him. He's played three seasons so far in the dub, so he's got one more year of uh, junior eligibility. But he broke the point per game barrier as well this season. He went from 18 points in his draft year to 62 points in 60 games as captain of the Portland Winterhawks. 6'1, 205, good size. Uh, you know, his elite prospects page is pretty impressive. Tell me a little bit about John Ludwig. This, he's a prospect I really like, and I, I'll be honest. Like, if I had to, if I had to say what my biggest miss was of last year's draft, it's John Ludwig. To the point where, when they took him in the third round, uh, I was I was shocked, um, and I didn't watch Portland with the intensity that I should have last year. Uh, and I definitely just I saw flashes out of him, but I didn't see that. I wonder if this guy could do this every day, and. He's done it every day for Portland. He's been their number one option in every situation. And so not only is he a guy that can can attack with the puck, who can move it in transition, he has a big, heavy shot. Uh, he's smart with the pass. He's smart with his plays. He understands the transition game. There's a lot to like with this player, especially with a guy with his size. Um, you know, when you look at a player like him, and I, I just – I just didn't necessarily see him transitioning to this type of offense. But then when I went back to go look at games, it was like, oh, no, I see it now. And I think Florida got a really good one. I think he's one that in one of my leagues, right at the tail end of the season, I tried to grab him before anyone else really got wind of how good he can be. But I think in a system like Florida, they do have some decent uh, defensemen in there. But I think Ludwig, he could be a home run for guys because he – 
he can be very physical, but he can play all over the ice. And I think that translates to all sorts of different uh, deep uh, roto leagues, especially. Yeah, he cracked my top 10 rankings for Florida as well. Um, 6'1", 57 penalty minutes, plus 46. Does he have some rotisserie value as well, or is he just offense? No, he. I mean, he, he doesn't necessarily use it because of what you know role he has on the play. Uh, but he can be he can be feisty for sure. Um, but he just on Portland they didn't really necessarily need him to do that. It's not like they had a ton of other guys that did that. But they he, just I don't know. There wasn't a lot of people that really wanted to mess with him either. He's a big dude that can handle himself, and uh, he didn't have to he didn't have to do that too often that I saw. Right, more valuable on the ice than in the penalty box is what you're saying. Yeah, for the, especially for them. I mean, he just he was in all situations for Portland, and Portland was such a dominant offensive team. Right on. Okay, so coming out of the dub this season, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, if there are any prospects who are graduating and turning pro and could make an impact in fantasy hockey. There was a lot of buzz and chatter last year about Ty Smith foregoing his fourth season of junior eligibility and playing with New Jersey. That didn't happen. He went back and had a final season of development in junior hockey in the WHL, and I don't think that was a terrible decision. So now that he's played out his junior eligibility, I don't think there's any chance he goes back as an overager. So that leaves him with two options. He can turn pro in the AHL level or the NHL level. Um, Those are his two most likely destinations. Uh, I don't think it would be a problem for him to at least start the season in the AHL. Uh, and have a little bit of development time at the pro hockey level there and build up some confidence and maybe get an an edge about not making the team. Do you think that that's more likely, or do you think New Jersey just says, okay, enough's enough, you're on the roster? (laughs) Well, yeah, he almost cracked the roster even two years ago, and so even last year it was kind of like, well, he has to make the team because, uh, you know, he almost did it even the year before, but it just wasn't the case. And New Jersey is an interesting team. They do have a lot of guys that kind of fill the role that Ty Smith has. And so he really has to just take over a role from somebody. Um, They have guys like Will Butcher and Connor Carrick and these, you know, a little bit undersized playmaking players. I think Ty Smith will, he'll be the better of, of those ones. Uh, But you're right. I think, I think if, if I'm New Jersey um, adding another undersized um, defender, it has its ups and upsides and it's down, but I think there's no there's no quarrels with sending him down and just letting him be the, the quarterback uh, on the power play and just letting him continue to rise and then letting him dictate by his play how comfortable he is at the at the, at the pro level. Um, I, there's a total chance that he could make New Jersey's team and kind of go up and down a little bit, but um, but he's just a guy that's that's it's going to be one to watch. I mean, he he really had no trouble with the WHL, especially coming back from the World Juniors. Uh, you know, 59 points in 46 games on a really good Spokane team. He, he really quarterbacked the, the power play and really quarterbacked the transitions up the ice. Um, he's a smart player. I, you know, he, he has a huge pedigree too. He was taken first overall in the W in like his dub year. And he was taken 17th, like in the first round by New Jersey. There's a lot of people that are waiting for massive, massive, massive things for this kid. I, I think, I, you know, personally, I, I think he does have still some work to do. He does still have some, of those um, issues to warn out. He doesn't have the, the greatest shot in the world. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy that settles in as maybe a second power play guy on New Jersey when all things um, shake down, but he does have the upside to upside to quarterback a top power play. So um, I think most people kind of own him in a lot of leagues and stuff, but 
he's a guy that this will be an interesting year for him. Yeah, I don't think he's the next Scott Niedermeyer or anything. Um, and I think a lot of the pressure for him to make New Jersey from fans and expectations last season was based on the fact that, you're right, he almost did make the right out of his draft. And those were his only options, New Jersey or or back to the dub. And now he's got the the third option where he can he can be assigned to the AHL. Uh, so I think that that should take a lot of the pressure for him to make the team off or expectations to make the team off because most players do transition into the into the AHL before the NHL. Uh, okay, yeah, so is there any... I mean, if, you, if you think if you think back to New Jersey's team too, I mean, they last year they they had just acquired PK Subban. They still had Will Butcher. They still had Sammy Vatanen. So his kind of role on the team, there was a lack of need for it at the time too. I mean, Vatanen since gone, and uh, you know we've kind of seen different sides of PK Subban there too. So it, it might open up an opportunity for him right away. Yeah, there's there's certainly some opportunity on the roster. Uh, you've got Subban's under contracts, Saverson, Butcher, and Carrick. That's it. That's all they got under contract. Uh, Mark Mueller is a, a restricted free agent. I'm not convinced he's an NHL player. Um, and then their their non-roster options: Ty Smith, Kevin Ball. Um, yeah, so there's certainly a really good opportunity there. But of course, free agency and trades at the draft and all of that. There's a lot to be determined before we have to make roster decisions for the 2021 season uh any other yeah. players coming out of the dub that you think would be fantasy relevant we talked before i hit the record button about dylan cousins a little bit with buffalo uh what do you like about that uh, i mean dylan cousins this year just kind of showed all the things that he's already good at it the reason that he went so high in the draft is because he's such a smart skilled centerman with a with a heavy shot he can he's not afraid of playing the body he's not afraid of really playing against anybody I think Buffalo is going to take a really long look at him. And I would be a little surprised if he got sent back to the WHL just simply because of, of you know, the way that Buffalo's team situates. I think they can, they can insert a guy like him under the team and he's not going to have too much trouble. He's a good five-on-five five skater. He does have a weapon they could use on a second power play. Um, but Buffalo does have a history of, you know, rushing some of their players to mixed results. And so they might kind of take that into consideration. I you know, uh, Dylan Cousins didn't put up gaudy point totals this year, like something where you just go, where it, you know, jumps you out of your seat. But uh, but it was good. You know, it was 85 points in 51 games, including 38 uh, 38 goals. And, and he was really he was really able to distribute the puck a little bit more too. They had more offensive weapons on his team, so I think he's a guy that I would I would assume he makes Buffalo's team next year. But um, so he's going to be one to watch as a really good two way center who you could get some uh, some power play goals from down the line too right on uh anyone else you think make an impact in the nhl or you want to shift gears and talk 2020 entry draft the um the other person that i i would probably highlight is um is kaylin addison uh defenseman in uh, pittsburgh system uh kaylin is another undersized guy we saw him at the world juniors this year and i think really similarly to um to Ty Smith, he's just has a lot of weapons to be able to run that power play. Pittsburgh for a long time didn't really have uh, a lot of high picks, and Addison was a second-round pick there, first pick that year. And so I don't really know what uh, Pittsburgh's defense is going to look like either, and I think Addison might have the same kind of trajectory as Ty Smith goes. But but I like Addison. I think I like Addison more than more than Ty Smith at this point. Uh, Addison just he has a deceptively good shot and uh, he's able to really distribute the puck. He's going to have some size issues like other people too, but I think he's going to be able to overcome that and become an NHL player, you know, in probably maybe not next year, but I think the year after. 
Right. Yeah, most of the players who would be graduating from the dub or aging out would be coming from the 2018 draft, which for the WHL wasn't an exceptionally strong draft. Uh, Kayla mm-hmm. Hassan is is a product of that draft. He's a second round pick. Um, and you might remember him from the World Juniors this past season. Uh, he played for Canada and he put up nine points in seven games for Canada as a defenseman at the World Juniors. Last time I checked, that's pretty good. Uh, so yeah, he, not bad. Yeah. Uh, he now has his rights owned by Minnesota Wild. Uh, so we'll see if oh, he that's can. Right, that's right. Yeah. So we'll see if he can and crack that uh, that wild roster. Um, either way, uh, not a lot of competition on either of those organizations. So I don't think the trade really hurt his fantasy upside. Uh, so let's shift on to the NHL draft now. And let's talk about some draft prospect guys. What do you say? Sounds really good. All right. So for the majority of the season, right out of the gate, the top dub player ranked was Connor Zeri for the most part. Um, But Seth Jarvis has really overtaken him on a lot of people's radar. He's surpassed him in points on the season, 98 points. Uh, He's a right winger playing for Portland. Um, 42 goals, 56 assists. That's pretty good. Uh, he had a really strong surge later on in the season, and I think he would have moved up even further on on some people's draft radars uh, if the season had been allowed to to play out. And um, so there's a lot of buzz and excitement about Seth Jarvis. Do you want to throw some some fuel on the fire, or do you want to kind of put the flame out a little bit on this guy? No, I I'm gonna I'll throw some fuel on this. I, I think. His best aspect is something that really translates at this level, or like at translates the NHL level, which to me, I mean, I watch the Calgary Flames a lot of the time. I look at a guy like Sean Monaghan, who has really, really soft hands in tight around the net, who's able to, to adjust uh, and, and has a, such a great vision. I mean, Jarvis doesn't have the heaviest shot, the strongest shot, but he has the smartest shot probably in the WHL. Uh, he's able to flip pucks over pads. He's able to see um, see open areas in the goalie where other people aren't, and he's able to hit those. His the accuracy of just a flick of his wrist is really, really outstanding. He started the year kind of as somebody who a lot of people thought would be on a second round radar, and it's just every he got better and better and better. He got faster. He got smarter. He got better at handling the puck at big speeds. And, and this is a guy who. Even at the NHL level, you give him you give him zero space, and he's going to be able to find a, a way to to wrist shot that puck in the net. And it's such a wonderful aspect to be able to have somebody who can finish um, at all different areas and situations around the net. So I'm seeing a little bit of comparison in their their draft rankings over the course of the season to Braden Tracy last year. Uh, he's a guy that had a really strong second half, got a lot of a lot of lip service and, and buzz, and ended up getting picked relatively high. Do you Who do you like better, Braden Tracy or Seth Jarvis? Seth Jarvis, man. Like, I, don't, I, don't need to, I don't need to put like, fuel in the fire, but like, I like Seth Jarvis more than I liked Cousins and Krebs last year. Um, Jarvis just has a, such a huge upside in his ability to play he does have you know he's not the the necessarily the biggest guy on the ice but it doesn't matter with the way that he plays there's going to be moments where he's you know he might look a little bit more soft against um bigger nhl competition but once again he has such a wonderful a wonderful ability of finding the soft ice and, and just punishing you when he does and he's very very fast he loves to gain speed in the neutral zone and blow past defenders on the side and not only that but he he kind of went from halfway through the year of of being good forward and then he started to really attack the middle of the ice and show that he's very confident at that too so 
his he does have you know some weaknesses, but his strengths are so strong. Right on. He was an early pick in his draft year too, eleventh overall. Um, okay, so the guy I mentioned earlier, right off the top, Connor Zeri, he was one of the highest ranked players from the dub all season long. Center for Cam Loops saw him at the top prospect game as well. Uh, whenever I've seen him on TV or, or the one chance I got to see him live, he was you know he was okay. I thought he was good, but not great. I didn't really see any particular element of his game that he excelled at. He's not super physical or big. Uh, I didn't think that he was a burner. Um, you know, the sample size I have is is not large enough to to determine if he's if he's more of a an elite playmaker or whatnot. But uh, hey, eighty six points in fifty seven games. Last time I looked, that's all right in any league. Um, so should I be more bullish on Connor's area or a little bit more? Or am I right on being conservative with him? Uh, there, he has slipped down rankings a little bit because his second half wasn't uh, as impressive as his first half. But he's a guy that, once again, has a lot of just traits that really uh, make their way to the NHL. One guy that I've kind of put in his same realm with how he sees the game is, is Robert Thomas for St. Louis. He can make very he can he sees little passes little little ways to really impact the game and he can make you pay in the transition flow of things and so with Connor Zeri the better players he plays with the better that he gets and but not only that he is he's a two way guy whereas he does have a really good shot he can adjust to plays he gets off a a heavy wrist shot very quickly um, so if you want to make him a trigger guy on a power play he can absolutely make you pay on that but he really is good on having his his uh, the puck on his stick as he's coming off the half wall, just seeing plays they develop. You're right; he's not a burner. He's not a guy who necessarily puck, but he's just so good in in such small spaces at making little. And he's just very very smart. And so he's a guy that uh, I think is a kind of a sure thing to be a, a good impact player down the line. Um, I, but but at this point, I think people are just questioning his upside based on that. Like, is he going to be a you know is he going to be a very good second line centerman or is he going to be a third line centerman who's who's uh, very competent at running his line? Uh, I would I would say in the in the first category, I think he's going to be a really good second line centerman with playmaking value depending on his team. Um, but yeah, like he, he's not going to burn you down the wing. He's going to punish you uh, on the small ice um, with with just having goal scorers on his line and, and making making your team pay. Right on. So a high floor, but a lower ceiling. For sure. Yeah. And it's, and it's all to do with the way that he sees the play. He's got very good hands and very small ice and he's just very smart. Right on. So a couple defensemen that are projected to go uh, early in the draft. And one guy has been moving up the rankings a little bit as well. So let's start with uh, Caden Gooley, defenseman with Prince Albert. 40 points in 64 games, younger brother of, of Braden, who's with Anaheim, I think it is now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so what's the file? Is he is he played similar to his older brother? Uh, a little bit. Um, so Caden is, when I saw him early in the year, I saw this guy live a lot. Yeah, being a person, I'm from Saskatchewan, he plays for Prince Albert. So they, I would see him live quite a bit, whether it was in Saskatoon, Moose Jar, Regina. He, uh, he plays such a heavy game. When I saw him early, it was so obvious that his gap control, his ability to gain good position on on uh, people who are attacking the ice, uh, pinning people to the to the boards, like his defensive play was on another level um, towards the WHL. But in this today's age, you go, okay, well, what can you show me in transition game? How can you impact in the offensive zone? What are your tools here? 
And the biggest thing for Caden Gooley was I kind of I kind of brushed him off a little bit, and I said I don't think he's as good as I think that other people think he is, because he kind of struggles with his transition play, and I haven't seen a lot of really big offense from him. That was about December, and December he really started to shift. That was when he started to really jump into play a little bit more. His transition game improved. He showed that he actually has a really heavy slap shot, um, and he has a really heavy wrist shot too when he gets it off. Uh, especially if he plays the opposite side and there's a puck fired on net, he'll jump on a loose puck and fire that puck into the, the open night as the, uh, on the opposite side as a defender. Um, so there's a lot of things where you just look at this player and you go, man, there's a lot of skills. And not only that, but he got better as the year went on. Like you could see physically him try new things and start to excel at that. The biggest thing that I see on him as a weakness is just the way that he thinks the transition game up the ice. Um, there's times when he'll just look for the open stick where it'll be a, a player that's kind of coming back to receive a pass. He'll just seize an open stick and he'll fire it to it. It's a good pass. It's a good whatever, but it's not necessarily the best transition decision up the ice. I think there's ways that he's going to continue to learn that as the game goes on, but I don't necessarily see him as that guy at the NHL who's who he's going to be doing that all the time. I think if, if he becomes a guy who's competent within the system to move the puck up the ice, then you've got a guy who's very good in his own end a guy that has a slap shot and a heavy wrister in the in the offensive zone, and I think that's the upside that a lot of people see in him. Um, yeah, it, there's a lot to like about him. Man, it sounds like he's playing in the wrong era, though. If he if he struggles with transition, that that's a big problem. I mean, he he can't be Luke Richardson in the NHL anymore. You got to be able to create transition sure. offense, maintain possession. You can't just glass and out all the time. Yep, and that's and it's a, it, it was definitely my biggest worry where it's just like okay, you see all these other attributes, and so then I remember I remember in December like writing on my paper like I need to see more transition, I need to see more offense from him, and to his credit, you saw that you saw more transition, you saw more offense. Even if people watched the CHL Top Prospects game, you could see the evidence of that. Uh, he got a goal in that game. He uh, was able to move the puck effectively up the ice, shut down the opposing team. You could see the upside in him. Uh, even even in a short game like that. So um, even, you know, I had other people within future considerations that were messaging me and saying, I haven't seen this guy play a lot, but he looks good. And it's like, yeah, no, he's he's improving. He's improving daily. Uh, and that's something that you, you can't short sight. You know, if a guy really improves his play from December to March in a league, you have to consider that in the long-term growth factor. Right. And that's the thing about the draft is you're not picking who the best players are right now you're picking who you think are going to be the best players when they're 24 and they're you know mm -hmm. in the nhl 25 um would you say he's the top ranked is he your top ranked defenseman from the dub i i go back and forth on this i think i had him a little bit ahead and then i watched another game of him and i think i have a, I, I i do have a i do really like um Braden schneider i think that goalie will probably end up going ahead of schneider in this draft but I think I like goalie just like just a hair ahead. Or sorry, I like Schneider just a hair ahead of him. Right on. Well, let's talk about Braden Schneider right now. That defenseman with uh, Brandon Wheat Kings. He put up 42 points in 60 games. So very similar point comparison. Um, so what are some things you like about Schneider's game? So Schneider has a lot of the same aspects uh, that goalie has where it, defensively he's incredibly sound. Um, it's very rare that Braden Schneider gets... Um, gets blown past by a defender or who gets outsmarted uh, on how to transition up the ice. Schneider's a very, very smart player. He sees how plays develop and he's able to adjust accordingly. And so I think just that, that aspect alone and his size, he's going to be able to transition to the NHL faster and, and better on both ends of the ice uh, as some of the other players. Um, 
he's a guy that really sees the game very well, but also he'll step up and open ice hit you uh, without any worry in the world. And it's, it's all about how he reads the play and sees it coming. He's able to adapt and able to know when people have him have his back behind him, uh, when it's a, a good spot to be able to do it, but he has that ability, which fantasy owners are really going to like. Um, he has a really heavy, hard wrist shot, um, but most of the time you'll just see him being an effective, big, right-shot defender uh, who can skate the puck up the ice or just make a simple pass in, in the flow of transition. And it's really, really a good aspect. I mean, teams are begging for a, a right-shot big defender like that who can throw a hit but are just smart. They know when to throw a hit. Um, so I think that's his biggest aspect. I think that, that uh, right now some of Gully's physical skills and some of Gully's aspects, I mean, Gully has a big slap shot that I don't think Schneider necessarily has. So there's aspects that Gully has to his game, but I think just by the simple way that Schneider thinks the game is just puts him like a little bit ahead for me. Right on. So if it's your pick in the draft and you need a defenseman and both these guys are on the board, uh, it's a tough call, but you're going Schneider over Gooley? Yeah, I'm going Schneider. Fair enough. I love the definitive answer. Not a political <laughs> dance around the issue. Well, they're both good. You couldn't go wrong with either one. Uh... <laughs> So let's talk about some well, forwards. Well, you couldn't, but yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so let's stick with uh, Prince Albert. Let's go with Gooley's uh, line mate, or teammate, I should say, uh, Ozzy Weisblot. 70 points, 64 games. Tell me a little bit about what he brings to the table. Ozzy's another player that's really smart and can make a lot happen in, in a short period of time. He's a guy that can really wow you if you're watching. Uh, he's a guy that can kind of go unnoticeable, especially if he's on the offside of the ice. But then when he has the puck on his stick, he carries it uh, into the zone with big effectiveness. He's able to really adjust to plays. Like, he understands where the pressure is coming, and he's able to adjust as a natural playmaker. And as a guy who's playing with, you know, a big, big, big centerman in Alexi Protas, who's a Washington prospect, like, Protas is like 6'6 with a heavy shot. Basically, he's just looking for opportunities to be able to dish pucks to um, big goal scorers. Ozzy can shoot. He's got a good shot. But it's, it's really his ability that, um, to adjust to pressure that makes him uh, a very fantastic process, uh, prospect. He's one of the smartest um, kids in this draft class, for sure. Right on. And he's got a bunch of brothers. Uh, is he the best of the bunch? Um. I'm I'm not sure that's that's going to be uh, hard to tell. His his older brother um, had a really good year for Calgary this year as an undrafted kid. Uh, he does have some younger brothers who are really good too and might be better than him, but um, but yeah, he's he's just he's a really good player. Yeah, I seem to remember seeing some sort of uh, I think it was on Sportsnet. They had a, a feature on on them, and they're raised by like a, a deaf single mom or something like that, and is. Ozzy Weisblatt and his four brothers, Ocean, Orca, and Oasis. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's a I'm sure there's a fun story in there. Um, okay, so he sounds like he's uh he's got a lot of elements to his game that are pretty good. Um what would you say his fantasy upside is? Is is it is it pretty relevant? Is he a player that you think will get picked in the first, probably second round? I think he's gonna be a guy who ends up going in the second round just to do to I would like to see him be more aggressive, uh, especially with the puck. He's, but he's more adapting. Like I, I talked about, he's a guy that, that won't attack with the puck. He's a guy that will attack soft areas. So if he sees something open, he'll move into that space to be able to just kind of gain a foothold 
on the open ice. But he, he really can, like, he'll pass pucks behind him. He'll drop pass. He'll saucer pass. Like, he's very good at just finding um, those kind of opponents or just being on the off wing and waiting to take a, a really heavy shot. Um, he's just very, I think he, he, he's not going to be as rounded of an aspect if you're looking for, for big roto players. He's a guy that just simply because of the way that he thinks the game and the way that he can react to other players, that um, that's where his upside is. And I think, uh, I don't know if he has the attributes or someone's going to take him in the first. Uh, they might they might take the end of the first, but I think it's just starting around that traffic at this point. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, okay, so the next guy I wanted to learn a little bit about, and this has been some pretty good stuff, is uh, Jake Neighbors, Edmonton Oil Kings left winger, 5'11", 201. So he's got a little meat to him. Uh, 70 points, 64 games. I uh, don't really know much about him. Uh, tell me a little bit about him. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of different players that you want to draft, especially in the second round. Um, like, there's also guys where you go, this is how you know this player is going to make the NHL. This is how he's going to make our team. Neighbors is going to be neighbors if he makes the NHL is going to be a guy that that goes up and down the lineup as a very effective energy winger. He has a lot of skill to him, but he just he just makes life hard for everybody. He's hard in on four checks. He's very smart with his passes. He plays a really, really just um, annoying game. Uh, and it's it's a wonderful, wonderful aspect to be able to add. Uh, teams are going to look at that and, and just see his different upside. But he had a good second half this year, too. Like um, when I ran the numbers on my stuff, he he was an interesting guy. Like he, there was just a, a lot of numbers that were in his favor um, as a guy who can really add those type of skills, but he also can adjust. Like I've seen him drag and snipe goals on a two-on-one power play or a two-on-one break. I've seen him uh, hammer off a shot. There's a lot to like about the player, but I think he's just going to be a really effective, well-rounded energy winger at the NHL level. Uh, A guy that becomes a a fan favorite. Yeah, he's fourth overall pick in his his dub draft, so he has a little bit of a pedigree as well working for him. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I like players like that that it sounds like he brings a lot of the Charlie Hustle and is aggressive on the forecheck. Um, those players are are easy to cheer for, and and I love watching them. Uh, okay, so yeah, the next he's guy, very very good at five on five for sure. Right on. Uh, so the next guy I want to talk about is another forward, and he's Vancouver Giants center, five eleven, one sixty five, Justin uh, Surtif. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, 54 points in 57 games. So just shy of the point per game. But this was his second full season. And he scored 46 points as a rookie in 64 games last year. Uh, So he's been pretty consistently productive in his young WHL career already. Uh, And he's a third overall pick in the 17 draft by Vancouver Giants. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Justin. Justin is a guy that I've been kind of all over. All, he's been all over my list this year. I started um, a little bit lower on him when I saw him early in the year, and then I kind of really grew on him. And then, and then he's kind of tailed off a bit for me. He has a unique package. He's he has put up surprisingly really good numbers at five on five, and it's because he's a good skater for his size too. Like he's a he's a thick kid. He can really use his um, his size to his advantage, and you wouldn't think that like. I think I'm even looking at this where it's like 5'11", 163, but he's bigger than that. I, I have to think that he's bigger than that. Um, he, But he's a guy who can punish all over the ice because he's got good hands too in tight. For 
guy that likes to go to the hard areas and likes to score in and around the net, um, he has really soft hands to be able to do that. And I think that will eventually be a skill that really translates for him. He also just sometimes does crazy things. Like he's so creative. I saw him on a two-on-one early in the year where it was, a, it was just a two-on-one play. And he did, he did a 360 spinning backhand, uh, I think, to a teammate. And I just thought to myself, well, that wasn't a thing you had to do. But, but he does it, and he can do that. He does, he, I think he quieted that kind of stuff as the year went on. But he's got a lot of talent. He's got a, a lot of um, – he's got – he likes to drive close to the net. He likes to score in and around the net. He can, he's not necessarily the, the biggest power play weapon. I think um, he had like seven points on the power play of his, 40, of his 54. So he was really good on 5-5, five and five, not necessarily any – like big necessary weapons for the power play. He doesn't have a booming shot. He doesn't have he doesn't ability to run a power play and be the trigger man. I don't think, but he's a guy that's good around the net and he, a guy who can hold his, his own and be soft around the net scoring goals. That definitely has value at the next level. Yeah, right on. 26 goals is nothing to sniff at. 28 assists was so a nice balance there. Um, so kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none kind of offensively? Well, so right. Vancouver had a lot of players that um, were really good playmakers, right? Like they've got Bowen Byram, and they, had, um, and they had a number of guys that were really able to set him up. So very often he's just finding good ice and being able to get off quick shots, and uh, he's really good at that. He, so he's adaptable to play with a lot of different kinds of players. Versatility is good. It translates well at the next level. Uh, okay, so let's move on and talk about another guy. And he's a little bit further down on the draft radar. He's ranked 154th by North American Central Scouting. Uh, 19-year-old Oliver Ocular. Uh, Slovakian, big forward, 6'1", 192. Not that big. Uh, but 68 points in 55 games. That's pretty impressive. And he caught my eye at the World Juniors with Slovakia as well when he put up four points in five games. Um, why is he a little bit lower on the rankings overall? Because I kind of like what I saw and the stats back it up. What am I missing? The, I think with Oliver, the biggest thing is, is there's still big question marks on if he's a guy that um, if he's a very good complimentary player or if he's a player who can kind of who's good with the puck on his stick. And I think he's just going to be a good complimentary player. He he's very quick to pucks and he's very and he's able to really adjust and pounce on loose pucks. And that has just such a, a wonderful value. You know, you think of the Lethbridge team and they had some big weapons, uh, especially in Cousins and Addison. And he was just a guy that once there was a rebound, he was quick to jump on it and quick to, to snap that in the back of the net. And that was his big ability for Lethbridge. And I think he's a kid that has enough speed and enough awareness on the ice that uh, you he's definitely a guy that I think people will take a flyer on in later rounds. Yeah, interesting. He played 18-19 in, in the queue with Sherbrooke, and then he transferred over to the WHL and played with Leth. Maybe next year he'll play in the OHL. I'll get a chance to see him live more. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Uh, okay, so the last guy on the list that I want to learn a little bit about is Alex Cotton. Um, he's very low on a lot of people's draft radars, but he's a defenseman with Lethbridge, and he scored 20 goals. And 20 goals in any league as a defenseman is something that I want to talk about. And 67 points in 63 games. Um, what is the file on Alex Cotton? He's still really raw. 
but he's a dude that has a big frame and fantastic instincts, uh, especially offensively. Defensively, there's still some but he's mobile enough to be able to, to realize that you can teach him some of those gap things. You can teach him a little bit some of those decision-making stuff. Um, but he's just a big guy. You know, it, it's hard to find guys like him where they're big, they're mobile, they're able to produce offense. And so I think you take a swing on a guy like that just based upon that upside. Uh, I think he was, was he, did he, I think he led the, I think he led the, the WHL in defensive scoring. Um it kind of showed his true colors too. Like on Lethbridge, they had um, they had some guys, juniors, and so he was kind of the guy that was running the show. And it's like, is he going to struggle that everyone's gone, or is he going to thrive? And the reality was, it just seemed like he could never have the puck on his stick enough during that time. He always wanted the puck. He always wanted to transition it, and uh, he just has a lot of weapons that aren't totally refined yet. So he's a big project, but one that could pay off huge. Yeah, I did write down in my notes that he led the dub in scoring. I don't know if that's for goals or points, but it's probably goals because 20 goals is is pretty good. Um, well, and yeah. I think it's defensive scoring, too. I don't think there was – like, there was some guys that were gone. Some people had different, better rates than him, but some guys were gone for stretches, and so I think he – I'm pretty sure he led the league in defensive scoring, too. But it's, it's crazy to say of a guy who led the league in defensive scoring and also call him raw. And so that's the that's the upside to a player, and I think it's true in both cases. So would you think that he's kind of like a, a boomer bust, like he's just going to keep getting better, or was this kind of lightning in a bottle, perfect storm sort of season for him? No, I think he's going to keep getting better. I think it's just going to it's going to come down to uh, he's going to be a guy that can produce offense, but much the same as even like smaller offensive guys, it's going to be just continue to develop his two-way game his gap control his play in his defensive zone quieting a lot of those things and and making that decision maker because like when he gets the puck he just goes and so at the next level they're just gonna be like cool man you can't just do that all the time like you have to pick your spots we have to play within the system and uh, i think he's going to continue to learn that but um but you, you take a swing on a guy like that because of the, the the upside there like you said you don't find defensemen who score 20 goals all the time yeah, right on. All right, so that's the end of my list. That's all the players that I had. But before we started recording, you said that there was a couple more guys that you kind of wanted to shine the light on a little bit. So uh, go ahead, man. Who are some guys that you want to also give a little attention to? Who, who's high on your list? Well, there's one guy who, once again, I've fluctuated a bit on him, but his name's Ridley Grigg. He plays for Brandon, so he plays uh, in a good system. And he he's... Uh, I think in Central Scouting's last ranking, he surpassed Connor Zary. I'm pretty sure he was a spot above Connor Zary. So he's a guy with a big frame um, who has good hands and he has good speed. I, I saw him basically at full tilt take a pass, skate to stick, and then not lose stride and go in on a breakaway. So he has the ability to take passes to be uh, to break a game open with his speed. He likes to protect the puck as he's moving around defenders. And so he's a guy that's just really, really still raw. He's young for this draft class too. And so you're just kind of looking at him and going and just asking the what if category. I think he's still, he's still a little bit behind some of the other players that I like um, for, this, for this draft class just based on right now. But the ceiling on him is really, really huge. I would like to see him be more aggressive uh, as a score first forward, um, not just off the rush. He's always, always a score first person off the rush. But when he's kind of cycling the play, when he's when he's being in the zone, I think he could have an impact like uh, Adam Beck did next year. 
Uh, I think he's a guy who could really just go, okay, this is my game and I'm just going to be aggressive always because he has the size and the creativity and the stick handling to be able to do that. Um, but there are some issues. There are some times when he, you know, he'll make some bonehead decisions. He'll take some bad penalties and those kind of things. But he's a guy that uh, is, if you want to, if you want a big, big swing raw upside player, then that's Ridley Gregg from this WHL class. Yeah, a couple. I'm just looking at his, his profile on Elite Prospects. He's 5'11", 159 pounds. So not a very big guy, but you just mentioned he takes a lot of bad penalties. He had 83 penalty minutes. Um, yeah. So does he does he play a physical game, or is he just a greasy dirtbag kind of a player? Um, a bit of both. Uh, yeah. He, so he will hit, and he'll definitely take an open ice hit. He's a guy that's very physical in that regard, but he's a guy that's still growing too. Like I I don't I I also think he's bigger than those numbers are saying. Like it wouldn't surprise me if if you know we get there and they say he's like 6'1 170 uh, so he's a guy he's a lanky kid who's going to keep developing but not only lanky but he he has the potential of being able to use that lankiness to his advantage um, like you know he can go wide he can take a pass uh, wide immediately move it to the opposite end of a stick and kind of give give um, troubles to goalies for deking wise he, he has a really really um, wide stick handling range and he can use that effectively yeah, he's he's a player that's kind of progressed up the draft rankings a little bit over the course of the season as well. So he's he's played his way onto the radar for sure. Uh, he's ranked uh, between sixty and eighty is where I'm I'm seeing him a lot. You think he squeezes into the second round, or is he more likely uh, a really good bet on a third round pick? Uh, he, I mean, he might go in the first. To be honest with you, really? I, I think there's a there, there might there might be a team that swings on him in the first round just purely from what I'm hearing. Uh, I, I wouldn't be that team. I, I think he's a he's a dude that because of his massive upside. If you're a team with a lot of picks, this is exactly the kind of player that you want to target, just simply because he is good and he's a good player. But he could be a he could be an unbelievable player. And I think if you're a team like I, if you're a team like Montreal, I think in the second round you're trying to get him really, really early, um, and and just kind of and just take the take the gamble. Um, but I, he could go in the first round. Wow, that's quite a range. Uh, okay, so you had at least one more guy you want to talk about. Let's hear about him. Um, this is a kid who I love, and I'm just trying to like um, really, really fan the flame on him because I think people might not necessarily see aspects um it's a player for the staff like tristan robbins um i have a i have an interview and a kind of a breakdown of his game that i'm going to be releasing uh with dollar prospects as well but the the case on this player is that he was a, a third pick um that kind of worked his way into the team last year he did play for saskatoon but they were so center heavy that a lot of his minutes ended up coming as like a third line winger or a fourth line centerman so you really didn't notice him a lot but i noticed him i really really liked his play and i thought once this kid finally gets minutes and gets control of I think he's just going to take off and that's exactly what he did this year he started the year on the wing um, with Saskatoon they traded uh, player Eric Florchuk away and then Tristan Robbins becomes a top two centerman pretty much their top centerman all over the ice and that was when he started to dominate Um, he put up 29 or he put up 19 points in his first 29 games and then after that he put up 54 points in 33 games as a, as a first-year draft eligible this year. Um, so 54 and 33 is nothing to sneeze at when you're the guy driving the play. Uh, on a team Saskatoon, which is still kind of young, they, do it, they did it some older guys, but, but he was their best player um, hands down. 
He's a kid who really adjusts to play, who understands how to be deceptive in kind of all three zones in order to adjust to plays. He, he gave goalies fits because he loves to drag the puck. He loves to shoot with defenders in front of the net. He's so smart and able to adapt to that. And you think with a guy his size, like he's 5'10", um, you know, he's got a, got a bit of weight to him. He's like 170, I think. But he'll be the first in check, and he'll, and he'll either rub you out on the play, take the puck from you, or he'll separate by giving back, um, giving you off play, and then he just is fantastic at, at doing stuff. Um, he's a player that some people have lower because I think just in their pre-rankings, it's hard to see to put him past some of the other guys. But his numbers in the second half were were unbelievably impressive, and the way in which he plays the game, which is with speed, with smarts, and with deceptive ability. Um, I think he's a, he's a kid that if I was an NHL team, I would be swinging on this kid, um, especially for fantasy relevance. I think he he's a guy that could put up um, crazy point totals next year um, because he just doesn't really have any glaring weaknesses. Um, he's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger. He's going to get faster. Uh, in my interview with him, I said, what sets you apart? And he said, I think I have a dynamic skating ability, and that's going to be my trait as I move forward. And he, he talked about being deceptive as he moved through the neutral zone, as he was in the the offensive zone. I'm hugely high on this kid. I think he probably ends up going in the third or fourth rounds, but I think that's a tra- I think that's a travesty. Um, I have him above a lot of the players that we've already talked about. I think I have him as a as a mid second round pick in this draft personally, and uh, a lot of people will call me crazy for that. But this kid is he's just so fun to watch. You know, when I listen to people talk about prospects or when I read about scouting reports on on prospects and the first thing that jumps out is that they're an, an elite skater, that grabs my attention right away, right? Because that is so transferable to the NHL uh, and at pro hockey because everything happens so fast. You've got to be able to keep up with the pace of the play um, mentally and physically. Uh, and you talked about his... Uh, his breakout second half and I'm looking at his, his game log on elite prospects and his last, you know, 10 games, he had 15 points and he only had two games where he didn't have a point. So that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good and consistent streak of production at the end of the season there. Uh, if, you know, we could have got another couple more games in and, and some playoffs, uh, he's sounds like a kind of player that could have, you know, grabbed a little bit more attention. I, I think you're on to something here, Joel. I, I like what I'm seeing and I love what you're, what I'm hearing from you. Um, yeah. So that's he, why people he had a couple podcast. of games too. Like he had a couple of games too this year where he put up five point games and it was, bec- and it was because he was driving those plays. That's not secondary assists. That's goals and him setting up plays. And so against kind of weaker teams in the WHL, he punished them. And against teams that um, that are a bit harder and a bit tougher, I mean, he's the he's the t- he's a 17 year old and is the best player, you know, essentially on his team. He's the MVP of his team this year, and he's holding his own. He's the guy that's really driving the offense. We talked about him playing against PA, against Wiseblad, against Gooley, against you know six six pro uh, six six protests and lining up against those guys and he said i love it like i want to play against them all the time i want to prove that i'm better than them like that's his mentality you know and and so it's kind of like for the things that i look for it's like well how's his speed it's like well he's quick how's his first uh, few steps they're good um but he's going to get better at it and but it's like how deceptive a skater is he's very deceptive how is his shot? It's good, but he's super deceptive with it. He knows when to shoot it. He knows where to find seams. He knows how to duck behind plays. He knows how to shoot between defenders' legs. He knows how to shoot above pads. 
Um, so there's a lot of things that he's smart, he's adaptable, and um, I think he's just he's he's a kid that's going to get better and better and better. But teams will overlook him because of his size and because of his wingspan. Um, I talked to someone early in the year because I think Central Scouting didn't even list him at the start of the year, and I asked somebody about him, and they said, mm, I think we'll pass based on his wingspan. And it was like, this is crazy. Um, and then once again, he went on to, in his draft holds of the year as as the the best player on his team to put up 54 points in, in like 33 games or something like, so it's pretty nuts. Right on, right on. So this is his first uh, year of draft eligibility, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So first time around for the draft for him. So hopefully he gets picked sooner than later. Um, all right. So Joel, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and talking dub prospects with me. I think this is a great episode and, People listen to hear the good stuff like this from someone who spends the time in the rinks, uh, learn about some players who are, you know, off the radar a little bit and get a little bit more information on the players that are on it. Make sure you follow Joel on Twitter. That's uh, Joel Henderson at DadHockeyDo, D-A-T-H-O-C-K-E-Y-D-O-E. You can find his uh, his work on Dauber prospects and at future considerations, Joel is a really good follow and someone who knows what he's talking about. He's uh, cleaning up in our fantasy league too. Uh, so he brings that element to the table too. Be nice to get some fantasy hockey back eventually, right? I'm, I'm missing making trades. It would be really nice. I, I made a whole bunch of trades to kind of make a playoff push as I think a lot of people did. And uh, that did well. Yep. <laughs> yeah yeah someone messaged me the other day about what they should do for a ruling in their fantasy league and i was like well there's no rush right like and the nhl hasn't written off its season yet like i feel bad for the junior teams that traded uh, all their draft picks for the next 15 years for players who are rentals that are aging out of the junior hockey and turning pro for a playoff push and they didn't even get one game of playoff gate revenue uh out of it yeah and, you know, that's, that is a tough pill to swallow. But for fantasy hockey, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the season's a write-off. But the NHL hasn't officially said we're not, we're not doing that. You know, we're not having a playoff this year. Um, they'll, they're going to wait and see if the world starts to spin again and they can get back out there and, and have some version of a playoff. And then, you know, maybe there's still hope is what I'm saying, Joel. There's still a chance that you could get some bang for your buck <laughs> this season. Well, it- even in the WHL, like you said, I mean, Kelowna was the hosts, and so Kelowna was building up a squad. They were getting better. They had, they had uh, a lot of fantasy-relevant players in Caden Korzak, Nolan Foote, um, Dylan Hamalek, and so there's a lot of guys that were kind of itching, the teams were itching to see in, in the playoffs against some really good teams, and, and then Kelowna got told that that's, uh, they're moving on. They don't get to host it, and that's kind of it. So, Yeah, that's not fair, but that's life, right? It's not fair, and... Um... It's no one's fault. That's just the way that the world is right now. So yeah, we, exactly. we, we adapt and make the best of it and move on. Uh, all right. So that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks very much for your time, Joel. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode, whenever that is, hopefully sooner than later. Cheers, Joel. <laughs> see ya. See ya. All right.